Recovery Elevator, episode 79. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Paul. Thank you so much for joining us. According to the Recovery Elevator sobriety tracker on my phone, I've been sober for 23 months and three days. On today's podcast, we have Randy, and Randy is one cool dude. Randy lives in Guam. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not Guam, Texas. Guam, the country. And let me stop you, yep, you, right there listening to the differences saying, wait, I don't live in Guam. I'm about to press the stop button. Just pause a second. Randy has 124 days without a drink, loves to ride his bicycle. He is one cool cat. We've been conditioned to believe that alcohol is relaxing. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. We're all familiar with the Corona commercials where people are relaxing and enjoying a Corona on the beach. Keyword again, relaxing. But is that really the case? Is alcohol really relaxing? Is that what it does to us? Actually, let's dig into that a little deeper. So alcohol doesn't actually relax you, as in relieve stress, allow you to be fully in the moment and feel like your body weighs literally nothing. So alcohol doesn't do that, then what does it do? Well, it actually slows down your brain's functioning. So let's take the happy couple on a beach, which to me looks like somewhere in Mexico or the Caribbean. They're both drinking Coronas, and let's take a look of what's actually happening. So alcohol is going to affect two neurotransmitters called glutamate and GABA. Glutamate is an exitory neurotransmitter that increases brain activity and energy. So alcohol, after consuming, actually slows down the release of glutamate, hampering the functionality of your brain's neural highways. You're literally functioning at a lower, slower capacity. Now let's talk about GABA, or GABA, or SHMABA, whatever, G-A-B-A. GABA, on the other hand, is an inhibitory neurotransmitter, which reduces energy and slows down brain activity. Alcohol increases GABA production in the brain, resulting in sedation, diminished thinking, reduced ability to reason, slowed speech, diminished reaction time, and slower movement. Now, this process doesn't start after 30 to 40 drinks are consumed. It starts instantly when you take your first drink. So let's take a closer look at GABA, whose name reminds me of the Swedish band ABBA who has that amazing wedding song, Dancing Queen. So GABA is increased in the brain after drinking. This increase basically slows down functioning in your cerebral capacity. So if the definition of relaxation is sedation, not able to think straight, slowed and slurred speech, diminished reaction time, and slower physical movement, nah, that's okay, I'll pass on those feelings. I'd rather just sit in a beach chair and drink a virgin pina colada or coconut juice. Fresh coconut water? Top five drinks ever, period. Okay, back to the same lovely couple on the beach. Let's assume they're married. One's named Mike and one is Tammy. So Mike and Tammy have consumed four to five Coronas each. Pretty unimpressive amount in my opinion. So after Mike and Tammy stop drinking, do their levels go back to normal? One would think so. When you throw a rock into water, eventually the ripples subside and it returns back to normal. However, drinking will alter brain chemicals that monitor depression. Your body is extremely smart. And after Mike and Tammy have consumed four to five Coronas, their bodies, which in the commercial appeared to be tan and in great shape, I imagine Mike works out, their bodies don't return to normal. Their brain and body, physically and mentally, is trying to reach a new homeostasis. Homeostasis? That's our current situation. Do you ever sit there in your lovely first world country and wonder how people in third world countries can ever be happy? Well, that would be called homeostasis. Homeostasis is a wonderful thing. I stayed with a family in Honduras in a small town of Cofradia. They had little money, but lots of happiness. In fact, when I left, I wondered if they were happier than most people. 
So Mike and Tammy, after relaxing, air quotes, at the beach for nearly five hours, when they get back to the hotel room at dusk, they wonder why they are so exhausted. Well, Mike and Tammy, pull up a chair. The answer is because you weren't relaxing at all. You were messing with your brain's natural glutamate and GABA levels, and you were messing with your body's homeostasis. And now, since a couple hours have passed since Mike and Tammy's last drink, alcohol is leaving their bodies. Their bodies, no longer bronzed, but now extremely burnt due to the three-hour nap on the beach without sunscreen. Oh yeah, Mike and Tammy, it's day one of your vacation. I bet you can find an overpriced bottle of aloe vera gel in the hotel lobby. So besides not relax you, here are some things that alcohol actually does to you. Some of these come from Jason Vale's book, and some of them I just threw in. I'll let you decide which ones are which. So alcohol depresses your entire nervous system. Alcohol undermines your courage, self-respect, and confidence. Alcohol destroys oodles and oodles of brain cells. What quantity does oodles represent? Well, in the millions. Alcohol breaks down the immune system. Alcohol interferes with the body's ability to absorb calcium, making bones weaker. Alcohol distorts eyesight in specific lighting. Alcohol made Motley Crue's third album suck. Alcohol diminishes the ability to distinguish between sounds and their direction of origin. Alcohol slurs your speech. Alcohol dulls your sense of smell. Alcohol damages the lining of your throat. Alcohol factually has been proven to weaken your muscles. So do what I did. Cancel your gym membership and stop drinking. Alcohol inhibits the production of white blood cells. Alcohol makes you and the Experian credit report not see eye to eye. Alcohol destroys the stomach lining. Alcohol causes obesity. Alcohol causes Geico not to return your calls. Alcohol ruins marriages. And here's a small anecdote of when I was a senior in high school relaxing on the beach involving alcohol. Didn't do a lot of relaxing, but did a lot of passing out on day one when I was in Hawaii. So me and my buddy, we actually spelled stuff on our stomachs and sunscreen. And me, I'm in Hawaii. Why not spell Hawaii on my stomach? So with globs of white sunscreen, I spelled Hawaii, finished off my pina colada, Malibu root beer, whatever the hell it was back then. I'm sure it wasn't much, but I was drunk and passed out. About four hours later, I woke up and I didn't really feel hungover because at the age of 18, you could drink all night and operate heavy machinery the next morning. But I woke up like, damn, oh man, what the hell happened? So I rubbed off the sunscreen, but hey, I got a sweet tan. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but it works. My stomach said Hawaii right across the front. Also, when you're 18, you got abs. Let me check if I still have them now. Actually, I kind of do. But when I was drinking, they were gone and it felt like they would never return. Oh yeah, side note, when I went to the beach, people started laughing at me, especially the locals. I couldn't really figure it out why. I was wearing a sweet seashell necklace, in fact, three of them, so that couldn't be the reason. But now looking back, the seashell necklace itself would have merited some laughter. But no, I finally found out when some local kid pointed at my stomach and started laughing. I'm like, hey man, what's going on? I like to laugh, can I be part of the joke? Turns out, I spelled Hawaii wrong. Now I know it's H-A-W-I-A-I. Wait, damn it, I almost did it again. It's H-A-W-A-I-I. On my stomach, it had H-A-W-I-A-I. Yeah, no shit. If I was that local, I'd have been laughing too. That actually ended up being pretty funny for the next four months. So now let's hear from Randy. Randy, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, Randy, thanks for joining us. Let's get right into this, Randy. How long have you been sober? Oh, shoot. I meant to look at my sobriety tracker before we started, but I think uh, today would make day 124. 124 uh, yeah yeah, yeah. it's like four months something like that yeah somewhere yeah i think actually last night i hit four months four months now yeah 
Nice job. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Yeah, Randy, how does that feel? You got four months under your belt. How's that feel? It, it feels great. It, the the pink cloud has is not quite as uh, deep a pink as it used to be, but uh, <laughs> still still feeling really good about it. Yeah, every every day's a new experience. Absolutely, we'll talk about that pink cloud in a bit. But before we sure. get any further, give listeners and I'm curious myself a little background about yourself. Maybe where you're from, Randy. What do you do for a living? How old are you? Are you married? And what do you like to do for fun? Well, Paul, I, uh, I'm originally from the East Coast of the U.S. I grew up in Rhode Island and uh, made my way kind of uh, around the world. Lived in Germany for quite a few years. I was in the Air Force. Uh, after that, uh, found my I found my career through the military. So with that, I ended up staying on in Germany as a contractor over there for, uh, for a few years. Met my, my now ex-wife there, and uh, we ended up getting transferred back to the U.S., and living again in New England. That 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 time it was in Boston. And so as as things progressed, we we found ourselves eventually moving to uh, upstate New York, where I, I took a job with with the FAA, and I'm I'm still with them to this day. So aviation related. Okay. And so for, so from there, we proceeded to do what most most uh, married people do. We had a couple of kids. Found our way to Guam eventually. My my ex was from New Zealand, so we wanted to get kind of closer to her part of the world. And uh, the FAA is, is here on Guam, so here we are. And I've been here ever since. Now, Randy, is that Guam, Texas, or Guam like the country Guam? Guam. Well, it's, it's Guam, USA, actually. We're a territory of the, of the United States. And as it happens, just yesterday, uh, July 21st, was the celebration of when Guam was liberated in World War II from, from the, uh, the Japanese Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been a territory ever since it's kind of changed, changed hands over the years. It's been a colony most of its, most of its time Spanish then German for a while and Japanese and, and American. So, uh, it's just like we have a home Depot here, Kmart, TGI Fridays, Ruby Tuesday, you name it, all the big franchises, Netflix, the most, uh, Netflix is everywhere. So good call. Good call. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Absolutely. Guam is complete in my book with Netflix. Right. And you mentioned it's 80 degrees in the morning right now as we're recording it this. Is. is it like always summer in Guam? It, yeah, generally we have we have a wet season and a dry season. And so when the wet season comes about, that's generally from June to December, we have an increased risk of typhoons. Uh, we can get some real mega storms out here. Uh, and then uh, the dry season is generally from December to June, where the the trade winds come in and it's the humidity's not quite so oppressive. Nice. But, uh, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful place. It's been good to me. And go. for fun, I uh, I like to, to uh, cycle. I'm a pretty hardcore cyclist. Um, I'm 50 now, and uh, so the one thing that stayed with me through the years has been has been cycling. So. I've kind of got a renewed interest in cycling over the past few years when I, I gave up smoking about three years ago. Wow. So, that is so cool. And let's talk about yeah. the podcast title, Recovery Elevator. Talk to okay. me about your elevator. You stopped drinking 124 days ago. Was that your first attempt to stop drinking? Is it something, you know, was that your bottom? Talk to me more about that time. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting for me because I've been a, a lifelong drinker from the time I was a young teen when I, you know, I think a adolescent, pre-adolescent when I first discovered alcohol and never thought that I would have a problem. Most times I thought it never was a problem. Matter of fact, I thought drinking to some degree was healthy. 
you know, mm. to be, you know, to that social lubricant. Uh, and I bought into the two glasses of wine a day, you know, a beer moderation. Uh, this isn't the first time I've quit drinking, but actually the first time I made a, a real solid commitment to, to try to stop for a while was was last year. Let me see, Christmas 2014. I decided to go on what I what I called a, a 30 day sober binge. So, <laughs> yeah, and I, I wanted, yeah, it, it went great. I, 30 days I did, I did my 30 days. Um, I, and the, the goal after that was to moderate. So I found some resources online, researched about moderation, what it entailed, how to go about it, you know, and there's all kinds of little tools and tricks that you can use keeping a log uh, there have the alcohol, the drink counters, you know, you, you there's an app for that, for everything. Sure. So, so I did, I, I did try to moderate, uh, and I, I had a 30 day contract. I wrote it up and, uh, fulfilled my contract, uh, went, made it through Christmas and new year's. I was the designated driver for new year's, which was pretty hilarious. Nice job. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause my friends were hammered and, uh, I was the driver. So that was, that was kind of fun to be, to, to be a part of that. But then I discovered O'Doul's non-alcoholic beer and and uh i my taste buds just lit up when i tried one of those i thought oh this tastes a lot like beer and then i started drinking o'doul's as if i was drinking alcohol really i would, I would yeah i would i would polish off a six-pack easy um work start where then i started working on two six-packs of o'doul's a day <laughs> who was you, i kidding you know randy i've heard about that you know like yeah. um i had a buddy whose wife only allowed him to have O'Doul's in the house, but he was drinking like 24 O'Doul's a night. And you can still actually, I mean, it's mm-hmm. equivalent to like four or five beers. And yeah. Was, is that yeah. kind of where you were going with that? Yeah, I, I didn't, I found that, uh, that, that same, that, that switch that, and I have that, that switch that, you know, once it gets turned on, once I flip it, it doesn't, it doesn't really turn itself off so easily and I'll just keep drinking. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what the O'Doul's, even though I wasn't really getting a buzz, I was still, you know, I was going through them as if I were Absolutely. in that mode. In and that Randy, my, my pen is on the paper. You binge, didn't drink for a month. I love the way you described that. And then right. you went to moderation. You had a log. You were going to write all this stuff mm-hmm. down, download a bunch of apps. My pen mm-hmm. is on the paper. Did it work? It did not work. Oh, damn it, Randy. <laughs> I thought, I thought you were going to tell me something you. I didn't know. Yeah, no, it, it, I, I really, I had hopes. And, you know, as it turns out, I'm, I'm remarried now, I, so, and I'm I'm, re, I'm married to a beautiful woman who is super supportive. Congratulations! Really, really thank you very much. We've we've been happily married now for over two years, and in those two years, uh, you know, she's she's pretty much a teetotaler. She, she's the kind of person that can get get uh, get kind of buzzed off half a glass, and then she'll leave a little bit in the glass, and yeah, very annoying. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, damn you. <laughs> Yeah. So, so what I found is that in, in my time with her, it was, it, uh, the, all the elements were there to moderate, you know, uh, I didn't have, uh, alcohol, a lot of alcohol in the, in the house. I wasn't around. I didn't have a partner that, uh, that drank the way that I did before. And I drank a lot before. So, so with that, you know, the, the, the moderation could have worked, but it just, it just didn't. I found myself slipping right back into the same pattern, the patterns of, of, uh, you know, the alcohol dependency that I, that I kind of worked up through, uh, through the years, you know? Yeah. And you just mentioned it. How much did you drink before? Well, probably four to seven drinks per day, sometimes more, uh, kind of de- dependent, depend, dependent 
sometimes it would just be just a regular weekday and I could go through a, tw- a 12 pack easily though. Sure. I, I could. Yeah. And there, there was a time before I met my wife where I was doing that on, on kind of a daily basis. I was, I would beer, I would just drink, I had my, my beer, Asahi. I love Asahi beer. It's very big out here, Japanese beer. And so I would go through two six packs. If it was in the fridge, I would drink it. If it wasn't beer, it would be wine. And of course, you know what happens when you open a bottle of wine. You got to finish it, Randy. You, you got to finish the bottle. You, you got to finish yeah. the bottle of wine. And and I enjoy wine. I enjoyed wine very much. But again, if it's if it's in the house, if it's around, I just drink it. So again, the the, the moderation. Yeah, I had high hopes. The the good intentions were there. And even with my wife and the healthy surroundings that I had, I still found myself seeking it out where my wife and I would go to dinner. Okay, wine. I, well, wine goes pairs well with this meat we're going to eat or whatever the dish was. There'd be, yeah, absolutely. There According be, to the waiter. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like a great idea. Absolutely. And, and uh, of course, socializing with friends, my friends, uh, my, my buddies, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of time together, you know, the, the, good, the good days when you party with your friends. So those times when we would go out with friends, she, would, she could then, of course, be the designated driver. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it just, it just didn't work out. And then finally in March, it's when I decided, okay, enough is enough. I, I was tired of waking up with the, that kind of dull, heavy feeling in the mornings. And, uh, and I just knew. I, I just knew that uh, it, it was time. So here, here I am. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're 124 days in. How does it feel right now? You go a little bit more into that. I know the pink cloud, you said, has somewhat yeah. dissipated. But how do you feel physically, mentally, and, and do you really evaluate it in a spiritual term as well? Uh, I, I do. I, I, you know, I, I have to tell you, Paul, I, I discovered your podcast early on because I, I, it was one of those mornings. I remember the morning I woke up. And as it, as it were, a little bit more backstory. So my, uh, my daughter, um, she, she had a baby shower and I was preparing for that baby shower. This is, this is in March. So it was going to be at our house. So I wanted to make sure that everything was ready to go. So I took a couple of days off from work to get ready. And on the Thursday before the baby shower is going to be on Sunday, so on the Thursday, I, I uh, got everything together, was, you know, going through a cleaning frenzy at the house, working in the yard, getting everything ship shape. And I had to go out to get some things. And I, on the way home, I thought, oh, okay, I'll just get some beer. You know, I might want to get some extra beer, maybe a couple of that, but that wine might be good for, to stash away <laughs> for the, for the shower, right? Sure. To just have, and maybe somebody else might. So of course I got extra booze, brought that home and proceeded to just I popped one beer and of course I'd been working all day and that first beer after you've been active tastes so good and and I noticed that I went through a six pack it must have been within an hour it, it just dis, it just disappeared it was just my thirst was quenched and then of course well let's start hitting that other six pack <laughs> so then I hit the other six pack went through that and I think at some point I decided well uh, just I'll open up a bottle of wine my wife was working as it turned out so she wasn't home to kind of regulate me sure <laughs> I didn't feel that I didn't have that that yeah, I didn't have that need to to kind of turn it off so much or, or or control myself I just kept drinking and and I kept cleaning you know as as I was doing that I was still very busy and active around the house and vacuuming and doing this and that and at one time I had this I remember I Somewhere in the night, I wanted to print a picture out. Oh, this would be a cool picture. Of course, by this time, I'm pretty fired up, you know. (laughs) 
but I'm doing my thing. I'm having a great time. My son was there. And so I print this, I go to print this picture out and the thing wasn't, it wasn't printing properly. And I, I don't know, it was jamming. The printer was jamming. I was getting mad. I started like hitting the printer. And, uh, as it turns out the next morning, so the next morning I'm useless, completely useless. I, I can't get out. My head is just killing me. Curtains are drawn in the bedroom. Keep the room dark, not functional. And the, and the, the Friday was supposed to be day number two of heavy preparation. And I wasn't there. I wasn't available uh, because I was way hungover. Sure. Yeah. Well, it turns out then later as the day kind of progressed, the hung, the hangover kind of wore off a bit. I discovered that the issue with the printer was just a simple, there was a piece of paper that was kind of like, there was a piece of paper in the back of the printer. All I had to do was just pop it out. Damn paper jam. Simple. Yeah. But if, if I had been sober, I probably wouldn't even have thought I should print this picture out. Sure. It's just where you're, where you go when you're, when you're uh, inebriated. You know, it's uh, you're not the same person. I'm not the same person. And so, so the baby shower happened, and 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 that that next day, I thought to myself, I I don't want to do this anymore. I I just I don't want to I don't want to be this person that could just that that continuing vicious cycle of just the, that certain day, the certain time of the day comes around, you drink, or that certain event, or you're off, and okay, it's well, it's noon beautiful day let's pop a beer I'm, I'm working in the yard I, I deserve a beer um i just got i just got tired of it i knew that i knew that it wasn't going to get any better so as it turns out baby shower w- went off just just great bunch of people over at the house and of course barbecuing drinking right mm-hmm. cooler stuffed with beers all kinds of different beers and so and then there's no way to even really kind of keep track of of what i'm consuming i just keep going through it and then uh, it was that it was that day that I realized that yeah, this is it. This is really it. Uh, so, actually, no. The baby shower was Saturday, so Sunday was the day I decided enough is enough. And that night I had a couple of glasses of wine because there was some left, and I didn't want to just pour it down the sink. Oh, you know, we talked about that earlier. Yeah, you can't just you paid for it. You, you got the receipt. You can't return it because the bottle's been right. opened. Yeah, you got to drink right. it. What was the feeling like when you had those couple glasses of wine that we just discovered, you know, you got to finish. Was it mm-hmm. the same type of feeling? Because it's right before, you know, before you drink that wine, you had made the decision that you were done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the wine tasted great. As I remember those last two glasses that I consumed, and that's when I started my sobriety tracker, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. That's when uh, 9 p.m. at night, my wife and I were sitting down watching some TV, and I just... I poured those glasses and I and I did enjoy them. I, I'll tell you the truth, they they were good. But I I woke up the next morning with uh, just a new just a new resolve, and uh, and it's yeah, I've been sober ever since, and I've been engaged in the process to varying degrees. So I, I mentioned the podcast was one of those resources that that I latched onto from the beginning, and just so many aha moments, so many so many times that I. Uh, saw myself in the people or in, in you and, and in the people that that uh, you had on the on the uh, the podcast that I could relate to and I'm just, I'm very different from all of those people but by the same token I'm I am those people okay there you go you know, I was gonna say, you know wait I mean? Randy pump the brakes yeah, no I know, not different. I know. <laughs> I know I know I know I was worried right? there for and, a sec right so it, that it's it's been good I've read some books uh, I've been big on the, uh, as you know, on the, on the, uh, Facebook uh, group Absolutely. and uh, met some, uh, met some, some lifelong friends there. I, I know that, uh, the people that I've met in through my, 
through that network have really helped me. I listen to, to their stories, their experiences, their struggles, their challenges and their triumphs. And then I kind of share my own and or there or they'll say something. Somebody will share something that will just oh, like, oh, that'll trigger that'll trigger something in me that, that I'm like, oh, OK, I'll, that reminds me of such and such. Or I had this experience or this is how I look at that. Uh, it's been it's been invaluable. Isn't it amazing how mm-hmm. valuable of a resource that is? Just you guys. I mean, the Recovery Elevator podcast is you mm-hmm. guys. It, it's not me. It's it's you guys. The mm-hmm. resource that is my most valuable resource is you guys. And it sounds like you've learned to tap into this and how important is it with, to stick with the pack and not go on your own way? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, 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 well, you know, for me, I, I, I have found that having that, that common experience helps me in, in my own journey. Ultimately it's my journey. Uh, it's ultimately, it's my decision. And, you know, where, where I, 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 I acknowledge that we are all different, yet we share common bonds. There's, there's no doubt. Yeah, I, I, could I do it alone? Maybe. You know, there was something that somebody shared uh, a couple of weeks ago on there. There was, uh, it was uh, the Onion, you know, that, uh, yeah. Yeah. that satire, fake, mm-hmm. fake news. And there was something about this, a guy that had, had, had found sobriety without any higher power, without praying to anybody. Uh, it was it was an article that was, it was of course, it was a spoof. But I, oh, I, I got to read that. I don't know how I missed that. It, it was it was interesting. It's it's funny that that yeah they 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 uh, it's obviously not true, but yet it it does ring true. Uh, so for me, it's been it's been like that. I I, I haven't necessarily found a higher power, but I have found a certain spirituality and knowing that I'm sober and and one of the things that I've seen right away one one of the things that I realized right away was uh, more clarity and thought that 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 alcohol just really dulled my senses it, it really did what was the time frame when you realized that you did have more clarity and thought it, it was pretty sudden actually I think within within a week to two weeks you know the I, I may have had some kind of withdrawal symptoms, physical withdrawal symptoms, but right away I was able to sleep better. I was waking up with a fresher mind, you know, feeling brighter, you know, more clear, and that just carried on. So I suppose you could say that I, you know, my, I found I found my higher power. It's a little less tangible. I know, it's, and it's different for everybody. Everybody. That's why I say everybody has a different experience, and that's that tends to be mine. And Randy, walk me through a day in your life right now. What does your recovery portfolio look like today? Today, it's uh, staying engaged with the process of it. The journey of sobriety is so important. Uh, Just yesterday, I I think of I think of alcohol multiple times throughout the day. Uh, and then I just kind of let it go yesterday. My, we were at, and I can remember, I remember yesterday, my wife and I, we were in Kmart at the checkout line. And they had the huge coolers full of beer, uh, you know those. It was like buy me, buy me, <laughs> and uh, and I did that little thought. Just think, it came up, and I thought, yeah, there's there's the beer, and then I and then it went away. So I I have to constantly remind myself uh, why I'm doing this, why I did it to begin with. That day of my daughter's baby shower, when I wasn't really there for her. Uh, cause I was half, I was half in the bag. 
when we were going through the, you know, the celebrations, the little baby shower games that they were doing with my daughter. And, and I was, yeah, I was, I was, I was out of it. Now, do you so, attend any meetings in Guam or is it, is it basically I, just being connected with a group in Cafe RE? Well, so yeah, Cafe RE is probably the, that's the, definitely the biggest, the, my, the strongest uh, network that I have. I've been to one meeting uh, and the, the meeting that I went to, it was interesting that there was a um, candlelight vigil, actually. Hmm. I think they'd call it a can- candlelight. It was a, so the room was dark. They lit some candles. Uh, and it actually was really good for me to go into the room w- where you know, it wasn't super bright. You didn't feel like you were under a spotlight. It, it just made it a little bit easier to connect with people and, and, uh, and kind of open up. So uh, I did go to the one meeting. Uh, I intended to go to more. I, I just haven't. Uh, it's not that I'm turned off to it. Uh, it's not that I don't think it would be a good thing for me. Uh, I just haven't found myself, you know, showing up at meetings. But the funny thing is, uh, the, the day of that, that day of that meeting, they gave me my first chip. They gave me my 24-hour chip, and I think I went to that meeting on like day two or maybe day three. Mm-hmm. So they gave me my 24-hour chip, and then afterward, we went out to dinner. Uh, for, to grab grab some food and then i was looking at the chip i'm like yeah here it is you know and i was like showing the people that that i uh, that i met at the at the meeting and the guy's like hey wait a minute that's that's the nine month chip <laughs> <laughs> so nine months on it <laughs> yeah but it was dark in the room right okay oh so, it's candlelight vigil okay yeah, so it was a mistake it was a mistake so i was like okay i'm gonna give this back to you but i'm gonna be back for it so at this point whether uh, I go to another meeting, you know, next week or the month after, I'm, I'm definitely planning to be there for my for my ninth month, and I'm going to get that chip back. That's so, a great story. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Uh, yeah. And you got to get that chip back. It's a 24 hour chip. You don't have to reach any milestones. That's like one chip. You just walk in there and ask for it. Right. Right. And, and Randy, have you chatted with anybody about? your reason to quit drinking. And, and what I mean is I'm having a text conversation mm-hmm. with somebody that it's like many hand to face moments on my end, but I fully understand where they're at in their journey. They're mm-hmm. afraid to tell their friends. They're afraid their boss might find out. They're right, afraid right. that their parents will be disappointed. Where, where are you at in this process of the journey? You, you know, you were big. You're, you've been instrumental, Paul, uh, you, in the podcast and, and, the, and the people that I've met in helping me to realize that this thing that I have, this, if you want to call it alcoholism, if you want to call it alcohol dependency, uh, addiction, wh- whatever it is, whatever it is that I've managed to break away from, I realize it, it, it does, it carries that stigma with it. And, but it, it, it's only, it's only that stigma if you allow it to be that stigma. And so I've, I've kind of, uh, gotten to the point where I, I don't have any kind of shame associated with, with, uh, the amount of drinking that I did. Matter of fact, I, I don't have any problem letting anybody know wh- where I'm at and, and why I have decided to quit. And Randy, what are the reactions when you tell people why you quit? Most of the time, uh, matter of fact, just the other day I was having a conversation with a colleague at work and we were, I was like, yeah, you know, I, uh, we were talking about drinking and he was telling me about uh, his, you know, his, his experience. He, he's one of those normal drinker kind of people, but he, 
he can go into the, the pubs and the taverns and he's, you know, he can, he's got his usual hangouts that he goes to, but mm-hmm. he'll have a couple of drinks and then he'll, he'll leave. That's it. He's done. And so, so you were telling him that you quit drinking and it was, he, yeah. What did he say? I said, yeah, you know, I said, you know, it was never that for me. I said, uh, I, you know, that, that switch, that valve that you turn it, it took for me, I, I just keep going. I, I just, uh, if it had been me at a pub having those two drinks, I would, I would leave. And then on the way home, I would get a six pack and then pour a bottle of wine and then continue the fun at home. And it's just the way it is. It's not anything that I need to be ashamed about. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, it, it is in the past, it is in the past. Uh, and I'm a firm believer in the, even though it's very cliche to say one day at a time, um, yeah. I've got to take, I've got to take this one day at a time. I don't know what I'll do tomorrow. And, and that's why I think it's important to stay engaged. And Randy, and, the coworker that you told about this, was he mm-hmm. like, hang on a second. And did he call and get like the company president on the phone and be like, dude, no. you got to hear this about Randy. Yeah, yeah like, no, what, what did no. he say? No, and I he he, uh, he 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 said I think you're being too hard on yourself, uh, and it's and it's funny I've had that kind of reaction from other people too that I've like uh, friends that I've talked and yeah you know I, uh, well you don't have a problem, you can just you can just drink, on the weekends. How about you just do that? And that's going back to the moderation principle. Bless right? their hearts. <laughs> yeah. So they because they they enjoy and I tell you I uh, I've had some some moments where uh, I'm also into sailing and. Uh, and so down at the seawall, my, my friends and I, we could put away some alcohol. Are you wearing boat shoes right now, Randy? I'm wearing flip-flops, actually. We, we call them Zori here on Guam. But Zori. I'm actually wearing, yeah, no, no boat shoes right now. Okay, just uh, wondering. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. so we, we got into some real like just shenanigans outright. Uh, there's a regatta that uh, happens out here every year. We, we sail to another island. And so generally the, the, the sailing part of it is it's uh, dry, a dry boat, right? That's just smart, right? Mm-hmm. But then once you get to this island about uh, 30 miles away from Guam, uh, that's when it just unleashes and just the, the drinking, just not everybody, but certain people, me, I was one of them. Yep. And Paul, just, if yeah. I was also wearing boat shoes and part of this regatta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just... I have so many memories of that experience over there and just getting absolutely shit faced. Oh. And yeah. And the last time I did that, that sale, I came back uh, and it's about a 12, 10 to 12 hour sale coming back to Guam. Oh, just and, hungover is all hell. Yeah. And I spent and I, and I had been like up all night and just and and belligerent. I was I, I remember and then people t- and then the people tell me. They would tell me things. I'm like, no, I didn't do that. I didn't say that, did I? Yeah, you said that. And so then going back to the friend that I told about the fact, you know, I'm not going to drink anymore. Um, she she remembers that part of me, that that Dr. Hyde or Mr. Hyde, wow. you know, and that she was okay with that. She liked that. It's like, dude, Randy, you reenacted the Titanic and you weren't Leonardo DiCaprio. You were playing Rose. <laughs> Good. I, oh my, I yeah, I'm just yeah. like putting myself in that boat because I have done in Belize. Uh-huh. I did a couple hungover boat rides from like island to island. It's just freaking miserable. Those are like it 30 was. minute boat rides. Yeah, this was about yeah. This imagine eight hours, ten hours oh. of just and being down below on the on the settee, stretched out. I remember there was a cooler next to me filled with ice, and I remember 
having my hand just <laughs> sitting inside that cooler just so I could get because it was so hot too. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was absolutely terrible. Randy, absolutely terrible. We have reached the rapid fire round. If you could answer these questions within thirty to sixty seconds, that would be great. Are you sure. ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. Randy, what was your worst memory from drinking besides the regatta thing you just mentioned there? Because that sounded terrible. Well, the I have to say uh, it was sailing related, and that was the day that I, I ran my, my own sailboat aground. And uh, not many – I haven't shared it with many people, but, yeah, I, I wasn't uh, – uh, I had a few – drinks under my belt when that happened and if i hadn't have been drinking that wouldn't have happened so i nearly lost my boat that day i'm actually curious with that isn't it i mean if i was in a sailboat it'd only be you know a couple minutes before i ran the boat on the ground how does it work <laughs> i mean, seriously like, doesn't the wind only blow in one direction uh yeah you, you can't sail into the wind and and actually is at this particular day as it turned out uh i'd, I'd had too much to drink and so that was that was probably the number one factor um, that so that at the alcohol that I had in my system, it relax, you know, it, it, your inhibitions, you know, they, they go down. And and so it was just a series. Any accident generally is a series of things that happen. Sure. And so so number one was I was inebriated. I was intoxicated. I was boating under the influence. Uh, then there's some other things. I had some inexperienced people on the boat. I didn't have my engine started when we were taking the sails down the way the wind was coming, where the current was, all these factors led up to us not being able to execute um, a, a tack. And when that happened, I was right next to the reef. Mm. And then once the once the boat hit the reef, it was over. And then what, we just what happened of, after that? Oh, then it was terrible. Yeah, the Coast Guard came. Um, uh, I, I could have been, they, they wanted to, I think they wanted to, they wanted to test me. Because and, and I was totally I was a basket case of emotion because everything sure. that I had was was in that boat. I poured a lot into that boat, so I, I made it through the boats. I, I a lot of about nine months worth of work for that that little accident. Wow. So yeah. While we're on so that that's probably the worst memory. Yeah, I mean, and while we're on boating stories, I know like we're well past sixty seconds, which I'm fine. I know. Sorry about that. No, no, no. That was, I asked. I was kept asking questions. Uh, another question: Were you wearing boating shoes when this happened? Uh, who probably not. Probably Damn not. It. Either bare, barefoot. I know you like that idea. Yeah, like I was looking at a catalog <laughs> online. I was like, man, I got to get some boating shoes. Like nobody wears boating shoes in Montana. Everybody wears cowboy boots, and I'm allergic to horses. <laughs> You could be the first. I'm going to be the first, damn it. And you don't have to have a boat. Yeah, yeah. The guy in the catalog was not on a boat, so I think we're good there. But I was driving my dad's speedboat in 2014 at the beginning of the summer, and I had probably three to four beers, um, and nobody knew that I was drinking the entire trip. I've referenced that trip many times in this podcast, but in the middle of nowhere, like the engine hit a rock, and, you know, like kind of like you said, it's a series of events and mm-hmm. I don't even know if it could have been evo- like if it could have been avoidable. There was a mm-hmm. rock underneath the water. You could only see about three feet deep. I was going straight in the middle of the channel, but I hit that rock and I just, I was like, I was like, Hey Mark, can you drive? I mean, obviously like the boat did not function properly after that and a boat going full speed hitting a rock. But I just sat in the back of the boat and I was just like, God damn it, Paul. Like you just like, you're driving daddy's boat drunk and you hit oh, a rock. Yeah. Like what the yep. fuck, man? Yep. Yep. That that sucked, and probably you it, had those same feelings with your own boat. 
Oh yeah, I beat myself up pretty bad after that. Yeah, that that did not have to happen. Yeah, you know, my parents listen to every podcast episode, so I'm sure in like three weeks I'm gonna get a call from my dad and Dad, I'm sorry. <laughs> Give me a call. Yeah. We can chat about this. There, there's the accountability, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, Randy. My bad. I deviated there. Next question. We've all heard of the aha moment. Did you ever have an oh shit moment indicating that you couldn't control your drinking? Uh, many, m- many of them. And there many, you know, and I, I don't know that I'm going to pinpoint or bring up one specific event, but I remember so many times that uh, the, the sailboat ride uh, where I was uh, down below with my hand in the cooler for eight hours uh that that was one of the, i woke up uh came out of that i'll say thinking um, okay never again and no matter how many times you say never again there's again mm-hmm. until until I, I i i hope i'm hopefully i'm there now where yeah never again and randy what's your plan in sobriety moving forward uh i think kind of just more of the same Re- reminding myself of all of the positive things that have come from not consuming alcohol, leaving alcohol it, out of my life, leaving it behind. There, I did it. I did it for many reasons, and I just just keeping keep keep reinforcing that, uh, and then living my life. You know, the funny thing is, I started off life. I lived a good eighteen years, maybe seventeen years of my life w- without it being a part of my my, my life, and so uh, just kind of getting back to that. It, I didn't. I wasn't born into this world drinking alcohol. So I just, uh, yeah, just, just living, living in it and experiencing the experience in the moment. I remember like, you know, some, the other triggers of, of wanting to have a drink, you know, the, the stress of being, being upset about something, being happy about something, just knowing that I don't have to have a drink in order to experience those things, Randy, good or bad. Yeah. I love that answer. And it could be that simple. It's like, I don't know, Paul, maybe try living my life without alcohol. That's my plan. Yeah, it's just kind of simple. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, when you get sober, you're like, wow, I wish I had some experience living sober. And it's like, oh yeah, I took my first drink when I was 14 years old. What about those right. 14 years when I was happy, joyous and free without ever drinking alcohol? Next mm-hmm. question, Randy, in regards to sobriety, what's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice that I've ever received. Ah, oh, geez, uh, that, that's a good one. Um, I, I think mo- most of it has been in the past 124 days. And that is, I, I would say, listening to yourself is probably the best advice. And, and if it doesn't feel right to you, it, it probably isn't okay. Randy, what parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners who are thinking about quitting drinking? Hey, I think, Paul, uh, just... The same, the same advice that I think I got from most people, and that is just, just be honest with yourself. And if, if you wake up like I did a few months ago with that heavy feeling, that hangover, and that, that feeling like you got to take action, then go ahead and try and take action. And, and don't beat yourself up if, if that isn't your day. Um, but I, I would say just, just be open to it. Listen to yourself and take it one day at a time, one moment at a time. And, uh, and, and just engage yourself in that process. Those going are some forward. great pieces of advice. I love the self-loathing thing. Avoid that. Actually, oh, one more question. What brand of boat shoes would you recommend? <laughs> Shoot. Oh, man. You know, uh, I'd say don't, don't, if you got a boat, you don't need shoes unless you have a staff that takes care of your boat for you. 
most most boat most boat people are barefoot. You went you went deep on me on that one. I'm thinking <laughs> like, sorry about <laughs> some of them have laces, some of them don't have laces. But you're telling me if you're a real boater, you don't need boat shoes. You just need there to be standing go. on a boat, I and mean, probably without yeah. shoes. And have a clean deck. Uh, okay, that's that's a metaphorical reference. Go. Keep your side of the street clean. I love it, Randy. Thank you so much for joining us today and helping me stay sober. Thank you so much. And thank you, Paul. I'd like to congratulate Sicily on 90 days of sobriety. Nice job, sister. It's emails like that saying that I got 90 days of sobriety finally that keep putting me behind the microphone. In fact, if you're listening and you just hit a milestone and you haven't told anybody, go ahead and tell us. Send your email to info at recoveryelevator.com. This is a line from Sicily's email that I absolutely loved. Drinking was for me a kind of romance for a long time until it morphed into something like an abusive boyfriend. Well said, Sicily. And before we depart, let's hear from Cafe RE. Before I got sober, I felt alone. It felt like I was the only one in the whole world who found it extremely difficult to stop drinking once I had started. With Cafe RE, I now know I'm not alone. In fact, there are so many people all around this world just like me. In Cafe RE, for $12 a month, I get access to a private, unsearchable Facebook group where I can connect with other like-minded individuals, meet with them face-to-face in several weekly live webinars and meetings, I can get paired with an accountability partner who has a similar sobriety date as mine, I can attend in-person meetups and attend exclusive sober trips to places like Costa Rica. If there's one thing I've learned in sobriety, it's that I can't do this alone. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code ELEVATOR for your first month free. Again, use the promo code ELEVATOR when signing up for your first month free. Recovery Elevator, we took the elevator down. We got to take the stairs back up. We can do this.